Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Now, I am not reintroducing the idea of purgatory. But on the other hand, I do believe the baby was thrown out with the bathwater. With that came a belief. When you die, you're instantaneously and magically made perfect. The soul of someone who dies immediately goes into eternity. There is no place where you make up for your sins. There is no purgatory. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. How does your worldview shape your political views. Well, this ought to be interesting. This is Wretched Radio. That was, of course, Ben Shapiro. You're about to hear Matt Walsh. He's from the Daily Wire, recently thrust into the national spotlight due to his documentary, thankfully answering the question that is apparently so perplexing these days. What is a woman? Jimmy, very excited about his next documentary. What is it? Well, you know, there's a lot of confusion in our country Mm. so he's producing is water wet i'm very excited (sighs) to see where he goes to get that answer apparently then he's got a three-parter ready he's then going to follow up his water wet with is the sky above us because (laughs) apparently people don't exactly know what a woman is he also happens to be a roman catholic sitting down with ben shapiro always give props to ben in this particular format, because he's willing to ask a question and zip, zip, zip it. He asked Matt Walsh about his faith, and he described growing up very Roman Catholic. His sister is a nun. But then we started to get into the theological end of the pool, and this is where I think it gets particularly interesting. Why are we doing this? Why would we listen to, if you will, a testimony from a popular fellow that millions of conservatives listen to, I would simply encourage this question to be considered. If Matt gets it so wrong on something so obvious, I'm just saying, maybe we need to remember to listen with discernment when we listen to The Daily Wire. Um, Well, you know, for me, the... The, the the first objective for for everyone is to is to get to heaven right okay that's fair enough I, I i wouldn't throw a flag on that one but might i simply suggest that the primary goal in life is not to get to heaven the primary goal according to the westminster confession of faith is to glorify god and enjoy him forevermore i would say the primary goal in life is to become Christ-like. How do we accomplish that? By studying him more, loving him more, praying to him more. That's the goal in life, to be like Jesus. And incidentally, just as an aside, this has some very practical applications for your marriage and your parenting. If that is your goal, that should be affecting the way that you interact with the people underneath your roof. Jimmy, can people still go to the clam bake we're doing Saturday night? Absolutely. At Foothills Community Church. That's it. Don't try to find it on Google. It is so remote, even Google can't find it. It's northern Georgia, just north of Atlanta. It's a beautiful part of the world. We'll be there on Saturday night. You can learn more at foothillscommunitychurch.org. And did like like, you like radio. We guy. were professionals here. <laughs> Back to Matt Walsh. That's that's the first objective is our is our spiritual uh, fulfillment. So that to me is, is number one before you get to, to politics or anything like that. Um, and this is, 
you know, one of the problems I see in the conservative movement now is uh, I don't, it's, it seems like it's not really grounded in anything um, like maybe it used to be grounded in those deeper kind of spiritual moral truths. Um, Agreed. So I think it's got to be kind of ground ground up from there. Like what? Agree with that totally. Politics flows down from the fountainhead of religion. And the only question is, in our country, which religion is going to win if polls and pollsters are correct? We are increasingly less Christian. Don't know if you saw that Pew study, but the prediction is it is... The Pew study kind of, they didn't do polling as much as we're going to try to futurize. I'm not sure that's actually a word. We're going to try to predict the future to see where Christianity is going to be at. And they believe that by the year 2070, it's likely that Christianity will come in second place to atheism or to the none sect of our society. That's where we're headed. It's increasingly less Christian, and that is going to have, it must have implications. Why? Especially in our system, politics is downhill from religion. So I agree with Matt on that. What are your, what are your, what are your fundamental beliefs? Like what, and that is, why are we here? What's the point of life? What's the point of any of this? I think those are the questions you have to be able to answer. And then once you can answer those questions, uh, then you sort of build your political framework on top of that. So I actually thought that was pretty good. It's got to be built on a steady foundation. Otherwise, you will become, well, probably a libertarian. Yep, that was a cheap shot right there. From a religious point of view, and you say that the goal is to get to heaven, are you a belief-based person? I mean, is it is it that you believe in, in Christ and therefore you go to heaven, or is it a works-based thing? Because obviously this is sort of a differentiator between Judaism and Christianity in some iterations. And Protestantism. Ben Shapiro, he understands Roman Catholicism, at least to a degree, because he's asking the right question. Getting to heaven, how is that accomplished? I think Ben is curious. His answer to date is to be perfect, to do good stuff, to be Ben Shapiro, to wear his yarmulke to obey the Torah as best he can. And ultimately, good things will happen. That's a works-based system. But so, too, is Roman Catholicism. Listen, carefully. Yeah, I think, well, and I don't mean to dismiss like 500 years of fighting between Protestants and Catholics, but I kind of think that the, at least between Protestants and Catholics, the works versus faith dichotomy, it's, it's a, kind of a misunderstanding. No. No, it's not. It's crystal clear. Martin Luther and the boys, they weren't idiots. They understood very clearly there is a difference between Protestantism and Catholicism. And I would much prefer that we just let that sit on the table honestly and then learn how to communicate to one another. But to say that there's no distinction or it's merely a miscommunication, this sounds to me like ECT evangelicals and Catholics together. Well, we got a little bit of this together. We've got a little bit of that together. Therefore, we're together. No, we're not. The hinge on which salvation swings is the doctrine of justification. And if we do not understand it rightly, we will not be saved. Roman Catholicism, as you're going to hear, is a works system. Now, they don't quite put it as clearly as that but that's what it is. Um, because I think we, we actually generally agree in that um, I certainly don't believe that the whole point of life is just to intellectually assent to the proposition that Jesus Christ 
is Lord and, and there is a God. And, you know, so now that is true, but that is also a straw man. Now, you probably wouldn't categorize it that way, but I would. Why? Because he said that Protestants basically is a mere intellectual ascent religion. That's the insinuation here. I would actually join him in saying, no, that isn't right either. But we need to determine the order of affairs when it comes to salvation. And I'm not talking about the ordo salutis preceding salvation. I'm talking about post-salvation. Clearly, works are commanded in the New Testament. The question, of course, is why do we do those works? Is it out of obedience or is it in order to be made right by God? People will say that all you have to do is believe in Jesus or you have to do is believe in God. Uh, I, I, I definitely don't believe that. Um, in other words, faith without works is dead. I, I think we can give a hearty amen to that. But if we want to talk about faith, okay, well, you have to put your faith in God. Uh, that is more than an intellectual exercise. That is something that you do with your whole life and your whole mind and soul and body, that you're investing yourself in this belief. And that, that includes works, but it's... There it is. Now, does the work get produced from salvation or is the work necessary for salvation? Not as though, you know, you give a certain amount to charity and you help old ladies across the street and you go to heaven. It's not as simple as that. No. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a combination of the two. The way that I see it... It's kind of a combination between the two. That's the answer to the question. Appreciate that, while perhaps not as clearly articulated as Roman Catholics can. Matt Walsh has admitted you got to be doing some works. Now, we Protestants have to chime in and say, yeah, you will see works. You absolutely will. It's inevitable. Once a person is regenerated and justified with imputed, meaning credited righteousness, which means our righteousness is external, it is outside of us, then we do good works. Matt's system, no, your righteousness is inside of you, and you must participate in becoming increasingly righteous. It's, it's sort of like, um, you know, if if you if you if God is a is a is a bridge into uh -oh. into heaven into the afterlife, um, you can't just walk up to the bridge and say, "Yes, I believe that the bridge is there. I I assent to the existence of the bridge." and then just go and sit on the other side of the bridge and not cross it. You actually have to trust the bridge and, and, and with your own effort, walk across it. Over. There it is. That's pretty clear. By the way, the bridge illustration, not my fave, because we don't have a bridge in Jesus Christ. There's a chasm between us and God. Jesus Christ actually has to grab us and bring us into a right relationship with God. Matt Walsh, very popular, sometimes very interesting. But we should ask the question, if we can't trust him regarding faith, perhaps we simply need to turn up our discernment meters when it comes to Matt's voice on other subjects. This is Wretched Radio. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur Study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear... Everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur Study Bible. Why? Because it is so 
helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines? They typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing, $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. Here's a fun fact. Did you know Todd also hosts a daily TV program? Yep, that's right. Wretched TV is a daily 30-minute program containing live witnessing encounters, conversations about tough theological issues, and like a jillion other things. And you can find Wretched TV pretty much everywhere. It's airing on over 135 Christian TV networks. You'll also find the show on streaming services like Roku, American Gospel TV, Answers in Genesis TV, Amazon Fire TV, and as always, the very trustworthy and reliable wretched.org. This, of course, is only possible because of our gospel partners. It's through their kindness and generosity and commitment to the gospel that we're able to reach millions of people all over the world every year. And so can I ask you to please pray about partnering with us in our efforts to preach the gospel, equip the saints, and strengthen the local church. You can find out more about becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner at wretched.org slash donate. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched. Affordable biblical health sharing. Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1735. The Great Awakening under Jonathan Edwards stirs the American colonies with many conversions and individual returns to heartfelt faith. Because of this awakening, a number of divinity schools were founded, including Princeton, Dartmouth, and Rutgers. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Having said that about Matt Walsh, this is Wretched Radio. Matt Walsh, very popular Roman Catholic political commentator, sitting down with Jewish Ben Shapiro to discuss religion. And Matt, I think, adequately described the Roman Catholic system as being a works system combined with faith. So you believe in Jesus and, and that's a big problem. The book of Galatians is crystal clear about this. If you are adding anything to salvation by faith alone, look out, you're anathema. If you are believing baptism, you are believing another sacrament, confession, 
you name it, whatever it is, simply go to the book of Galatians, replace the word circumcision with what it is that you think that you need to do. And that book then will be custom made just for you to help you to understand crystal clearly. It is not faith plus works. It is a faith that produces works. That's what it means to be Protestant. Ben Shapiro, I think, tipped his hand most clearly when he used the dreaded bridge illustration. Now, historically, evangelicals have kind of dug this. And I remember the first time I saw it, I went, oh, that's so helpful, man. But then just a moment of reflection, I realized, wait a second, that's actually a works description. And it falls short on a number of levels. You've seen it on one side of the chasm. It's you. On the other side is God or heaven. And Jesus is the bridge, kind of a cross-shaped bridge, only only requires apparently one pillar. And then you walk across the bridge of Jesus, and you get to the Father. And Matt Walsh said, yeah, you got to walk. In other words, you got to do stuff to get there. That means he's contributing to his salvation. That illustration falls woefully short, starting with you on one side of the chasm. You're not sitting there hot to trot, ready to race. I'm going to run across that bridge. Just lay that bridge down, and here I go. You're dead. You don't even have a heartbeat. Jesus doesn't let you walk all over him to get to the other side. Jesus gives you new life. He regenerates you. He takes you from death to life. He takes you to the Father, Romans 5, to introduce you into a right relationship with the Father. That is the gospel and the bridge illustration. It doesn't portray that very well. Furthermore, we don't see the sky. What's going on up there? Big clouds with lightning bolts. In other words, the wrath of God is the issue. It's not that we're going to just fall into hell. The issue is that God's wrath is aimed at us, and that simply isn't represented in that illustration. Jesus Christ isn't a bridge that we walk over to get to God. He rescued us from the wrath of God by, sorry for this, receiving the lightning bolts, by being punished on our behalf. That's the gospel. Matt Walsh, at least he admitted it. He believes in a works-based system. Having offered that critique on Matt's faith, I would like to extend an olive branch to him and say, I think you're right when you took a rather polite pot shot at evangelical Christianity, at least much of it. Do you recall what he said? He said, this easy believism, this, you know, you just, you just believe in God. It's a mere mental ascent, and then you're good to go. I actually agree with that critique. It is a big problem in evangelical Christianity. Far too many churches that don't preach the law. They don't preach about the wrath that is to come. They will never talk about H-E double hockey sticks because we don't want people to get scared. He's correct. Furthermore, I believe there is a paucity. That's right. I said paucity of focus on the doctrine of sanctification. Ask yourself the question, how is sin treated in your church? There is a trend these days that we talk about, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about sin, but hey, hey, are we all sinners, right? We're, we're just a ship of fools. And don't don't go looking around judging other people, you you because you're a sinner too. And that's why we believe in Jesus. Because 
We, we just need that. And it is a light treatment of sin. It is a correctly focusing on the gospel that Jesus Christ has saved us from the consequences of our sin, a.k.a. the wrath of the Father, but it's lacking in a striving for holiness. Your sin is wicked, and if you think you're less of a sinner than the person sitting next to you, then you're an even bigger sinner because sin is exceedingly sinful, and too often in evangelical Christianity, it is a watered-down version of sanctification because it simply presents itself as Christian life hacks. How to? Ask yourself this question. What are the sermon series in our church? What, 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 is, what is it that you hear on a regular basis? I know of a megachurch pastor who happens to be in Atlanta who, if I recall, has five subjects that he simply rotates. So this sermon series, this 12-parter is on finances. The next 12-parter is on marriage. The next 12-parter is on how work the workplace and then marriage and whatever. And then just wash, rinse, repeat. And there's no emphasis on sanctification and, frankly, no proclamation of the gospel. What sermons are you hearing in your church? What is the tone of them regarding sin? Is it boys will be boys? It's not that big of a whoop, or is it a big deal? Matt Walsh is right in his observation about evangelical Christianity. And to that end, I would like to offer this to Matt. Jimmy, where's this bad boy from? The name of the YouTube channel is This Is Salvation. That ain't a bad name right there. No. I'm amazed he got it. <laughs> These days, people just buy up words like salvation to sell it to you when you want to use it for your website. <laughs> this is salvation. The spoof. If American Christianity had a commercial, I would say it might better be titled If Evangelical Christianity Had a Commercial. It might sound a little something, man, like this. Are you tired of waking up for Sunday service after a night of fun? Not really an avid Bible reader? Maybe you still see the point in prayer, or perhaps you're not ready to let go of those sinful habits. Well, say no more. Come on down and try out American Christianity. You'll love our lightweighted, progressive, non-convicting TED Talk sermons. Bible study? Oh. Not anymore. Just follow our Instagram page for all your theological needs. Our philosophy is come as you are and leave as you are. Oh. Nothing is required of you. Check this out. Discipleship? Not required. Evangelism? Not required. Repentance? Not you stream our worship album on Spotify once a week. It's that easy. Have you been fruitful multiplying? Got kids? No problem. Drop them off Friday night at YouTube, but we'll have them be professional dodgeball players by the end of senior high. Uh, I'm exhausted already. There's a minute to go in this. This dude is brutal. He's spot on, but he's brutal. Come as you are, leave as you are. Don't worry about Bible studies. Just check your app on occasion. Just just bring your kids, drop them off, and we'll turn them into professional kickball players. Hoofda, and he's like the Carpenters. He's only just begun. And not to mention, they'll love our Avengers Bible reading plan. But wait! Oh, wait, 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 before the wait. I just saw that that's actually, that's real. Your Avengers Bible reading plan, there's an Avengers sermon where the pastor one week dresses up like Spider-Man, the next week like Thor, telling the world, hey, look at how immature we are. Uh, and how lowly we think of you, that you're going to be attracted by a superhero mm. knockoff. Uh, this spoof is hitting a little too close to home. More. Don't want to get wet during baptism? Don't really see an importance of being part of a church family? Don't even feel like showing up. 
church at all? No problem. We welcome you to come out and try our new Metaverse church plan. Whatever you want, we have it. However you want it, we got it. No need to count the cost. No need to devote your time. Absolutely no commitment required. Oh, this is seeker-sensitive Christianity coming into full bloom. And sadly, this really isn't much of a spoof when you think about it. Just live your life. And if you call within the next 20 minutes, we'll give you two free tickets to our live worship YouTube cookie-cutter copycat video recording session absolutely oh. free. What are you waiting for? This is exactly what you've been searching for. Make the call now. You have nothing to lose except your soul in eternity. American Christianity, no commitment required. Live your life as is and never fear persecution. 1-800-585-3-9276. That's 1-800-585-3-9276 or 1-800-LUKEWARM. Oh, 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 there's a little tag on the end that you can't read because this is radio. Obviously, this is pure jest. Well, not that obvious. Not all churches are like this, but most are. That's true. Encouraging us to don't fall for the casual Christian lifestyle. Amen to that. Christ is calling us to so much more. And I believe that the world has that same heart cry. Eternity is written on the hearts of every human being, and people realize there's something more to this than this. There has to be something transcendent. There has to be something that is foundational that I can be tethered to because without it, I am just going to float away. The world knows it because God has woven it into our hearts. And our churches, are they addressing those actual needs, the important stuff? Or are we simply trivializing Christianity, turning our churches into whoop de doo centers and leading people to nothing? This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Here's a headline you don't see every day. The Dearborn, Michigan School District has pulled seven books from its school libraries, including titles with LGBTQ themes, after parents complained. The school district also said that it would restrict student access to books available through an ebook app and platform the school uses. And in the meantime, the district plans to begin reviewing over 100,000 titles in a process that could take up to a year. Parents complaining to the school board and the school board actually reacting in a positive manner toward the parents? Yeah, that's not something that we're seeing to be a common theme around the country at this point in time. Especially when you have a sitting congressman making comments like this. And people on the local level uh, at affected school board meetings, they won't forget the MAGA uh, Republicans descending on their school board meetings like January 6th, disrupting meetings. Parents, Christians, there has never been a more appropriate time to speak up. The world would like to suppress us from sharing a biblical worldview. Don't let them do that. Speak up for what's right. Speak up for Christianity and speak up for your children. A student at UC Berkeley recently spoke about how social justice has crept into her STEM degree. And in my school, they're starting to bring in social justice into STEM. The excuse that they want, that they bring to me is because of minorities. I'm a minority, I'm Hispanic, and I am a woman. And I'm like, I'm not a victim, and I don't need you to feel sorry for me. We don't need social justice. Yeah, social justice is no justice at all. It's actually the gateway to socialism. 
A group of House Republicans recently sent a letter to the Education Secretary and other top education officials demanding answers over claims that some schools used COVID funds for critical race theory instruction. The letter from GOP members of the House Committee on Oversight and Reform demands responses regarding the reports on federal funding used in these racially biased programs. And I know this isn't something that surprises any of us, and I'm pretty certain as time moves on, we'll see even more uncovered. All right, so I'm not quite sure that you've heard of the company Twilio. They're a publicly traded company that builds communication tools. They're in the news currently because their CEO announced early this week that the company would be undergoing a round of layoffs using an anti-racist and anti-oppression lens. So I wonder if that means the employees they decide to lay off are people they consider to be racist and oppressors. I'm not sure if there's even another message you can get out of that. It's just another example of what we've been talking about. More CRT being infused into the culture. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is service, the spiritual ability to meet people's physical needs. Just as Christ came not to be served, but to serve, God provides the office of deacon, those who are charged and equipped to care for the physical needs of the church. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. All is well with the world. Hold on! Breaking news! This is Wretched Radio, keeping you on top of the stories you need to know. Jimmy, what's the big breaking news story you just shared with me? Oh, Roger Federer is retiring next week. That. That's the type of stuff you need to know right yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. That's the type of information. I thought he already quit. He hasn't played a match in a year. Has he not? And I haven't seen much of him, but I do see an off. There's a new trend in tennis, and I don't like it. It hasn't yet caught on in golf, but I fear it might. Both of them tend to be gentlemen's or gentle ladies' games. And it used to be that, for the most part, If you did a good thing on the court, you hit a great shot and everybody applauded, you you just heard it. You didn't even acknowledge it. Now, at the end, you could maybe wave and say, thanks for the claps. But during the match, you just played on. Now, the players feel the need to tell the audience to clap more for them. They hit a good shot and then they put their hands up like, give it to me. Give it. Give me some more. Come on. Show me, man. To get them whipped up. And then when they hit a good point that was really crucial, they yell like crazy people. Yeah, come on. And they zero in. This must be attractive to viewers because the people who produce these shows zoom in on their faces. Come on. Ugh, don't care for that trend. There's a lot of trends in sports. This one's been going on for quite a while. Have you noticed when somebody catches a football, they run into the end zone, and then they keep running away from their teammates? Why? Because they want to get it all. They jump up into the stands. They get all the adulation, failing to remember this was a team effort. I couldn't have caught the ball if somebody didn't throw it, snap it, defend it. And we are autonomously desiring to seek praise when team sports were intended for the group 
to receive the credit and you simply play your part, a.k.a. teamwork, that trend is gone. Oh, hold on, Jimmy. Oh, the humanity. Film at 11. This is is breaking news, but this is actually a really good story. Jimmy, I am so relieved to read the headline that Americans now smoke more cannabis than tobacco. (laughs) Whew. Is it better for so your lungs? So glad that tobacco's on the wane <laughs> and people aren't putting smoke in their lungs. That's that's a good story, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh. I'm scared. We were walking the other night. There was a car parked on the side of the street. My nose is shot since the COVID business. I can kind of sometimes, it has to be really strong, but I can put my nose in a rose and I won't smell a thing. Mrs. Freel, as we're walking by the car, it went, oh, oh, dude sitting in it is smoking pot. It ain't legal in Georgia, and but that doesn't mean people don't smoke it. That's an unmistakable odor. And and Mrs. Freel is regularly going, somebody's smoking pot. There's a crowd of people. There's even kids in the group. And you smell the sweet, sickening scent of cannabis. And now we're smoking more of it than tobacco. Guess which demographic is consuming the most? That's right, 18 to 34-year-olds. And I think the number might even be a little lower than that. 30% smoke and 22% snort. Snort? Marijuana? Mm, I've never heard of that, but it might be a thing. I don't know. And my understanding, okay, I don't have these numbers exactly right. But because I'm a talk show host, they are authoritative and correct, and you can't challenge them. The, 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 you know, I I don't want to get all into drug language with you. The THC, the stuff that gets you buzzed. Right. It used to be, and I'm just, I'm just making up a number here, but it is this extreme. It was like 10%. Now it's like 80% or 90%. In other words, you get super high, super fast. And most states are aimed in that direction. Right now, there are 19 states plus Washington, D.C. that are for it. Another 38 say you can use it for medical purposes. Now, could it be there's something in marijuana that has a medicinal benefit? Yeah, sure. Just like in anything else. But isn't the practice in this country for you to go to a medical professional to get it diagnosed so that you get a correct prescription so that you don't become a pothead? Instead, we open up these medicinal dispensaries and we dole out pot because people have a hangnail, and I'm not exaggerating. And then they get high, their brains get baked. Our society continues to fumble. This is, this is one of the areas where I do believe Christians can talk about human flourishing. Come on, we know this isn't good for people. It's making them dumber, not brighter. They're contributing less, not more. Can't we do better as a society? The percentage of Americans who have used marijuana at least once in their lives has increased from 4% in 1960 to 50% in 2022. Well, at least they're not smoking cigarettes because, whoa, (laughs) we're really opposed to that kind of smoking. (laughs) Jimmy, do you smell that? Is it ironing? Yes, it certainly is. (laughs) It's actually stinkier than the pot smell. Hey, Wisconsin, congratulations. This is nothing new, I'm afraid. Wisconsin is a lovely state. I, uh uh-oh, 
Probably shouldn't say Wisconsin is a lovely state now that we're on KKMS in the Twin Cities because (laughs) we're not supposed to like one another or Iowa for that matter. And we're not so nuts about Illinois. The point is Wisconsin coming out on top as (laughs) the drunkest state in the nation. The 11 drunkest counties in the U.S. are all located in Wisconsin. The Badger State had over four times as many counties listed in the top 50. They had 41. (laughs) It's beer and it's brandy. That's a whole lot of alcohol consumption going on in the state of Wisconsin. It's beautiful there. Go for a walk. Enjoy nature. Go to a lake. It's glorious there. And the weather slightly better than Minnesota. Not, eh, but it can still up north can be just a beating. Slightly, modestly more temperate. Great cities. Madison, Milwaukee. Go enjoy. And maybe put down the bottle. Hey, here's a story that you don't see every day, Jimmy. What's that? Arizona man confesses he killed his stepfather. Do you know why? Why? There was a little Bible dispute. Oh, that's oh. always good to read. <laughs> <laughs> What's the engaged this is This is from Arizona, Cochise County. The fellow was out in the street when the police pulled up because he encouraged his family to call because he had just murdered his 62-year-old stepfather. Nice. Telling the investigators he shot his stepfather in the tw- chest twice with a 40 caliber handgun because the victim accused him of never reading the Bible. Well, <laughs> that might be a fruit of never reading your Bible. <laughs> Thinks so. You murder the person who tells you you should be reading your Bible. Now, I don't know what went down here, but the whole thing is actually stinkier than the smell of irony, which is actually worse than the smell of marijuana. I was going to bury him. But I'm too lazy to dig a hole that big. This fellow's really <laughs> transparent. Yes, I murdered my stepdad. Uh, and I just don't have the gumption to put him in the ground. He thought about chaining his stepfather's body to his truck where he would drag him out to the desert. Well, <laughs> that might leave a trail. I don't know. I'm not that bright when it comes to murdering. Before killing his stepfather, he told investigators the two had spent most of the day drinking beer. Uh Uh-oh. That's... Wait a second. Arizona. I thought maybe Wisconsin again. That's what I... That's the connective tissue here. Before killing his father, they spent the day tossing him back until they began discussing the Bible in the garage. The situation escalated when his stepfather said he did not understand the book because he didn't read it enough. What... What other normal, certainly understandable reaction would there be (laughs) than to get your 40 Magnum or 40 caliber and just shoot a hole in the guy? Oh, here's an interesting story from Seattle Pacific University. They're in hot water, and there's going to be more Christian universities that are. They are being accused of being discriminatory when it comes to hiring policies, the LGB issue. Guess who's suing them? That's right, the faculty. What? And students who attend the Christian school. A group of students, faculty, and staff at the Christian University sued leaders of the Board of Trustees for refusing to scrap an employment policy hiring people in same-sex relationships from full-time jobs. This is, this is increasingly um, worrying. 
not faithless worrying, but this is another sign. It looks like the Biden administration, they want to expand Title IX to sexual preferences. And they want to do it without actually going through the actual process that we're supposed to be going through. And if that happens, Christian schools, look out. Look out. It, it's been pretty consistent that people who take a look at these issues say it's going to be the schools first, then the churches, then the home. Mm, mm, mm. Are you ready? This is Wretched Radio. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon, was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today, offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched you know there are a ton of things people partner in some have business partners some have workout partners we all need accountability partners then you have partners in crime not something i recommend or marriage partners something i do recommend and then of course we can't forget about the wretched gospel partner our gospel partners that would be many of you provide us with the ability to do what we're able to do you faithfully helped us reach millions of people all over the world with resources like wretched radio and tv road trip to truth transformed breaking bread wretched worldview the drive-by series i could keep going but we'd be here far too long plus i think you already get the point without you there is no wretched So we humbly thank you for your support. If you're not already an ongoing Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Just hit up wretched.org slash donate to find answers to many other questions you may have. That's wretched.org slash donate. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Attributes of God. 
Psalm 139 tells us that God is omnipresent. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. God is not only outside and above his creation, he is present in every place, seeing what is happening. This is a comfort for those who love him, but a terror to those who hate him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. So you haven't been persuaded yet, have you? This is Wretched Radio. I hold in my never-before-nicotine-stained fingers a slew of stories, and believe me, they're a slew that indicate the attitude in this country toward the Christian church and the people that attend them. Not very regularly, according to pollsters, but the attitude toward Christians, the times, they have a-changed. And if these stories, I realize they're anecdotes, but you put enough anecdotes together and you start to see a pattern which could lead you to the conclusion it looks like a lot of people who are not Christians are not nuts about Christians. Like, a lot. Story number one. Headline from Education Next. Last week, Project Veritas. I think they're the folks who do videos. Yeah, kind of undercover-like. Yep. They released two videos and transcripts in which two educational administrators were busted red-handed. The assistant principal of an elementary school in Greenwich, Connecticut, videotaped regarding the hiring of teachers, quote, if they're Catholic, conservative, you don't hire them. Well, that's at least honest. If I am not exactly correct on this, I'm pretty close. Isn't Wouldn't that be discrimination? And isn't that what we are not about in this country? Nevertheless, He explains that he looks for skilled progressive teachers who are, quote, savvy about delivering a democratic message without really ever having to mention their politics. Well, thanks for being dubious and deceptive. For one position, I think we had 30 applicants. So out of all of those applicants, I don't think I interviewed anybody over the age of 30. The older you get, the more set in your ways, the more conservative you get. Well, that's because you probably have a home and you have to pay taxes. And suddenly you actually start to think through some of these issues to realize, hey, those policies are going to cost me a fortune. Let's go to New York at a private Trinity school. Zoink Scoob, the director of student activities, was caught on video boasting It's definitely a school where conservatives would not feel comfortable. Unfortunately, it's the white boys who feel very entitled to express their opposite opinions and just push back. No, you wouldn't want that. They just want to steamroll them kids because remember the accusation toward Christians, stop indoctrinating children. And now we know why. There was just a sentence or a comma at the end of that parenthetical remark. You, we, we don't want you indoctrinating your kids because we want to do it. And so they are. There's a huge contingent of white boys that are just horrible. And you're like, are you always going to be horrible? Or are you just going to be horrible right now? I think they need to go. I think they're really awful people. We need to find some like Dexter sort of vigilante. Taking people out. You know the show, Dexter. We just need vigilante Dexters. Like, here's your community of targets. Well then, I guess we know how you feel. We need to be getting ready for this. I don't 
think that this is being well like Fox News, frankly. I, I, this is this isn't like a penny penny. The the sky is falling. The signs are there. The attitude toward Christians it's changed, and we need to think through these issues. We need to have a biblical understanding of persecution, what its point and purpose is, how we are supposed to respond, how we can react to our government. We should get these things sorted. This is this is sort of like the doctrine of sovereignty and tragedy. Don't know if you saw our recent Breaking Bread with Tim Challies, blogger and author of a book. It's at our website, wretched.org, Seasons of Sorrow. He who bears his soul in the aftermath of the death, unexpected death of his 20-year-old son. And he writes about his seasons of sorrow. And when I interviewed him, you can watch Breaking Bread. Just go to Wretched Breaking Bread or Wretched Tim Challies. You'll, you'll find it. We sat down and spoke for about an hour and a half. And the one word that constantly found its way into the conversation was the doctrine of sovereignty. Sovereignty. I understood God's sovereignty. And so when my son died... Rather than questioning why, we simply had to look for God's goodness in this because we know that he's sovereign, we know that he's good, and he's able, and he's faithful, and he doesn't do cruel things to his children for no reason. So instead of trying to justify it by looking for something good coming out of it, we had to realize that there's good in it. And he said something that I thought was so helpful. I asked him, did 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 anything come out of this that wouldn't have happened without this happening? And he said, yes. He said, but that's not how we wanted to view it. We didn't want to go looking for a good thing like our son died, but because of that, somebody got saved. Oh, okay, therefore, okay, so God was was just in doing that because look at the good thing that happened. No, he is just in doing it because everything he does is just. And Tim's plea, I do encourage you to go watch that Breaking Bread episode. Tim's plea is get the doctrine of sovereignty straight before you enter into seasons of sorrow. Can you figure out sovereignty when you're weeping? Yeah. Is it better to have sovereignty in place before the tears begin flowing? Yes. That's a doctrine that I think needs to be regularly shouted from the pulpit. God is over all. And because we are in Christ, we also know that his sovereignty is a good thing because he's a good God. And as you enter into, whether it's a season of sorrow, a terrifying event, you can know that God is good and you don't need to question his motives. You don't need to question his decisions. And you can find comfort in it because we know that everything God does is good. And I think the same thing is true with the doctrine, if it's a doctrine of persecution. Get it ready. I think we're going to need it. This is another story indicating the attitude toward Christians is bubbling a little closer to the surface than it once did. Tennessee Tech, to their credit, they're at least investigating this. But the claim is there was a campus drag show mocking Christianity in front of children. The video posted to social media showed a drag performer dancing suggestively to the song Take Me to Church by Irish singer-songwriter Ho- Hosier. If you were French, it would be Hosier. Take Me to Church. I think it's kind of an anti-Catholic screed, and the drag performer made the sign of the cross. 
Hmm. While handing out cash to little kids. And that's just an, that would, that would have been just go back to an, another decade. Just, Im- just imagine what John F. Kennedy would think if he walked into Tennessee tech and there was a drag show with little children where they were mocking his religion. He would say, what is this place? And the answer is, it's a different place. Christianity is on the wane. There is no question about it. The question now is, how are you and I going to flourish through it? That's right, not just endure it, but to flourish through it. When I think about our brothers and sisters in prison cells, how hard would that be? And yet we've read enough, haven't we, of, of people who have been arrested, put in jail for their faith. They come out of it and say, I wouldn't trade it for the world. You can flourish even through something like a prison camp. And God wants us to flourish. And if we have the doctrine of sovereignty and the doctrine of persecution fixed in our noggins before times get really tough, we can flourish too. Question. Posed to Slate.com, their care and feeding. Here's the question. When my husband and I moved into our new house, I was thrilled to find out the family living across the street had a seven-year-old girl, calling the girl Elizabeth, the same age as our daughter Emily, which is a made-up name. Back to the letter. The parents were also wonderful in welcoming us to the neighborhood. I admit I had fantasies of a repeat of my own childhood where my best friend lived on the same block and our parents often socialized. Then Elizabeth's parents invited us to their church. We turned them down, making it clear we weren't interested. Suddenly they became politely distant neighbors. I've looked into their church and found out it's fiercely evangelical. Now there is a modifier I never thought would go before evangelical. We're fiercely evangelical because if you're evangelical, that's bad. It's even worse if you're fiercely in trying to convert people. Can't have that. What what do we see happening? And by the way, much of this is being imported courtesy of CRT, uh, the, the critical theories that are being propagated at every single level of every single institution are the vehicle that is being used to drive Christianity off a cliff. Question, are you ready? If you're not, I encourage you to do a couple of things. You can do it by yourself. Just read First Peter 1 through 5. Study it well with your family. It is a shocking book because... Peter doesn't encourage us to respond to persecution the way that most of us are inclined to respond. He doesn't say resist, rebel, revolt. Instead, he says, be holy because your witness when you're being persecuted is powerful. If not, get our DVD, Persecution. It's available at wretched.org. But whatever you do, get your sovereignty and persecution theology set. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.